0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: And good morning and welcome here to Justin News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and glad you're with us. So I have a my friend here on the line, Pastor Daryl Scott. We're going to talk about a lot here this morning, and so glad that he's here. Hey there, Pastor.
2: Hey Carrie. how you doing this morning?
1: Doing well. So let's first talk about what some sad news yesterday, and that was the passing of the icon, the media icon, Rush Limbaugh. Now, we know that Rush Limbaugh became synonymous with talk radio during his career, and he transformed the medium in the process. He used to boast, he would joke that he had talent on loan from God, and he's been called home. He was the most prominent voice in conservative radio for more than 30 years, and he died of lung cancer yesterday at the age of 70. Did you know him?
2: No, I didn't know him, but of course I knew of him like so many others. He had a profound impact upon this country and conservatism, the conservative movement in this country as well. It's very unfortunate that he, he succumbed to lung cancer. Um, uh, America is uh, lessened somewhat because Rush is no longer with us.
1: Amen to that. I personally never met him either, but I now and then he would quote my work or he would quote something that I had done here at Just the News. He would quote Just the News quite a bit, and we always loved that because we knew that it was saying that what we were doing was having impact because he absolutely had impact. I'm going to talk more about the liberal media's reaction to him later in the show, but while I have you here, Pastor, I want to get your thoughts on, let's just play, play this tape. The tape speaks for itself. This is our president, Joe Biden
3: not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online.
1: So take it away. So this is our president saying that black people and Latino people, they just aren't that smart to get on the internet. You're there in Ohio, which is in some cases a rural state. And you're a leader, a black conservative. Please respond.
2: Okay, first of all, Kerry, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So I'm going to start off by saying this. it's not my president. (laughs) That's what they said about Donald Trump for so many years. But this just shows the opinion that Joe Biden has never been bashful about displaying towards the black community and minorities in general, and even those in rural areas. He looks at us as inferior uh, mentally. I don't even understand why he would even think, you know, for some people, especially those that are in depressed conditions, the internet is our only outlet. It's our only escape. You know, my wife liked to say when she was growing up, they didn't have a lot. But she did a lot of window shopping. She used to love to go window shopping. And now the internet affords those that are disenfranchised the opportunity to window shop around the world. For him to say they don't know how to get online, first of all, how do you know that? Who told you that? Where did you get that idea from? And what you're insinuating is they're not smart enough. As Once again, he's demonstrating these are opinions that he's had of the black community for decades. So, you know, it's not like we're surprised by him saying this, but he's insinuating that we're not smart enough to learn how to, you know, access the internet online on a computer or on a telephone. We can
1: well, get the Internet on our telephones. Well, and, and as a matter of fact, I've read studies that show that black Americans are actually more likely to have a cell phone than white Americans, yeah. to be honest. Uh, this is just the data speaking. But also, this is Joe Biden. He's the one who said, you know, black kids and Latino kids aren't as, as bright uh, as other kids, i.e., white kids. Uh, and he's the one who called them. Black Americans, super predators, we saw this over and over. But I want to ask you though, because the media doesn't seem to care about the fact that he said this, why is there such a double standard? Because they just use the word gaffe sometimes. So why is it that when it's a gaffe, when Biden says it, but the intent, whenever Trump would say anything, it's never a gaffe. It's always an intentional, sinister, white supremacist, angry, divisive, whatever he said. Why is it that the intent is always ascribed to Trump in one way, but Biden in another way?
2: Because, Kerry, and you're absolutely right in everything that you just said, it's because they all conspired. You're talking about collusion. There was collusion between the left-wing media, big tech, uh, corporations. We read about it in that Time magazine article. They all colluded and conspired to um, place Joe Biden in office, and now they want to do everything they can to make him look good because he was a flawed candidate. Uh, and he, he he doesn't even need to be in that office. So they don't want to say anything to make him look bad. I mean, look at this. The other day, we had people freezing in Texas. We had major storms across the country. Um, we have, once again, people continuing to die at a record pace from COVID-19. And the media wants to highlight the fact that Joe Biden played video games with his grandson. If Donald Trump had played video games with Barron Trump during... While these things were going on, it would have been a national outcry. And so once again, you said it right. There's a double standard, and it's despicable, but it's becoming too obvious, and it's becoming unpalatable for the American public.
1: Well, you're right. People are dying. We just saw the news yesterday that the lifespan, the life expectancy for Americans ticked down by a year, and Black and Latino Americans were the hit hardest about this, that the lifespan is now going down. This is something, it just seems not American. It's something we haven't seen since World War II, where the expectation that someone's life is actually going to be shorter than their parents. I mean, this is, what's the answer here?
2: You know, and especially, Carrie, with all of the technological and medical advances that we've had, lifespan should be extended. But, it, uh, you know, I, I guess we will have to qualify that data with seeing how many are dying of natural causes and how many are dying of unnatural causes. And I think the unnatural causes, there are other sources of death or causes of death now that are affecting the overall uh, statistics. Uh, but... Um, You know, and it's sad, it's sad that in this country, the media is majoring on minors. The left-wing media is majoring on minors and they're overlooking things that can cause this uh, decline in the lifespan of the American public.
1: Yo, you're right, issues like suicides are up sharply, opioid addictions are up sharply, people are turning to substance abuses because they feel isolated. The shutdowns are really affecting people's mental health. You're a pastor, what are you seeing about this?
2: Well, you know, I try to encourage my uh, congregation to practice safe social distancing but not allow themselves to be isolated to the extent that it does cause them to be mentally imbalanced. You know, there are times, and I'm sequestering myself to the best of my ability, but uh, sometimes I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this house. I've been in this house. I've got to go somewhere. I've got to do something. You know, we've been having our services online, virtual services online, because if one person in our congregation comes up with and now we have to go through all this contract tracing and all of these things and re-sterilizing, re-sanitizing. So we've been having services online, but I have to get out a lot myself just so I don't go stir crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Stephen King knows. Anybody just watch The Shining and you'll see right there. All right, Pastor, <laughs> stay with us. We'll be right back. we got to take a quick break. hey there good morning and welcome back to just the news am i'm carrie sheffield and glad that you're with us and joining me again is pastor daryl scott pastor i want to play this clip for you and then i want to get your thoughts on the other side
0: when we get some semblance of normalcy Mm -hmm. that timeline also seems to be shifting dr fauci had said a sense of normalcy maybe in the fall that's when you might be able to go to theaters go to sporting events still with masks of course now it seems that's being slid to early next year the president said maybe around christmas What's going on here? When do we think we will get back to some taste of normalcy? Well, this is the question, as I'm sure is the case for all of you, that every neighbor, every friend, every family member asks, uh, at least me in the street when I'm walking my dog in the morning. Um, we, We want to be straight with the American public, though. It is, we are not in a place where we can predict exactly when everybody will feel normal again.
1: Wow. Those goalposts keep moving and moving and moving. What do you say to this?
2: Well, Kelly, you know me. I'm 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 blunt, and I love to nickname people. And Jen, I call it Jen Sucky. I don't call it Jen Sucky. I call her Jen hey, Sucky. Hey, come
1: and on I, now.
2: I call him Dr. Falsy. He's not Fauci. He's Falsy <laughs> because he's been falsifying scientific data to us ever since he appeared on the scene. And once again, as you said, Falsy keeps moving. The goalposts, and the media keeps giving this guy a pass. Could you imagine once again if this was Donald Trump doing this? And all of a sudden, they're talking, we don't know. Well, you didn't say that during the debates. In the debates, you said, we have a plan. We're going to follow science about it. If you elect me, I'll get us done. I'm going to defeat COVID. Now, ever since he's got in, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what the trajectory of this stuff is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Now, he's not even answering. He's sending her out there to say she doesn't know. It's ridiculous. The goalposts keep moving. They don't know. They're clueless. They just figured. Well, they, they need to just say, "Hey, we're gonna just ride it out and see what happens." And that is what it is.
1: Daryl, these nicknames. You must be getting this from Trump. The the skill. Trump got it for I me. I do have a oh, Trump got it for me there. <laughs> uh, the the falsy. Uh, that that's. That might stick you might start something there i think you should make a hashtag on that one maybe trademark that but uh yeah because you're absolutely right because at first he said he was against masks then he said he was for masks then he said oh i don't know when we're going to get herd immunity or we're going to get herd immunity by a certain time and then he has the gall to admit I'm sticking my finger in the wind, and I'm going to say we get herd immunity based on what people feel about herd immunity. I mean, that is not science. I mean, I, I have a Bachelor of Arts degree. I- I'm not a scientist. But from everything I can see, if you don't know what herd immunity is and you're basing it on the gut feeling of the public and polls, that doesn't make you a scientist. I mean, am I right?
2: you absolutely right. You forgot the part, Kerry, about when he said it takes a couple of weeks to flatten the curve. When we first started it, and you know what's sad? Donald Trump got the blame for a lot of Fossey's misinformation because he would simply echo Fossey's sentiments. And then when it wouldn't, when it didn't materialize, they would give him the blame for it. But this guy Falsey, he doesn't know. And Joe Biden is clueless and he really doesn't even want to comment on it anymore. And once again, the media gave him a pass and continues to give him a pass while people are continuing to die. And it's it's sad. I remember during the debates in Cleveland, because I was in attendance, they asked Joe Biden what his plan for uh, COVID was, and he said, "Oh, I'm going to defeat it. I have a definite plan. You elect me, I have a plan." They asked President Trump what his plan was. He said, "I plan to have a vaccine by October," and they mocked him and derided him for that. The big pharma companies intentionally withheld the vaccine in order to make him look bad before the election. Now here we are. We can't keep giving Joe a pass and saying, hey, listen, he's only been in office for X amount of days. He's only been in office X amount of times. He's clueless Joe. You know, back in baseball, they have someone called shoeless Joe Jackson. He's clueless Joe Biden.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because the plan that Biden kept saying, it just sounded so familiar because it sounded like Trump's plan. And yes. let's just play a hypothetical. If it was Biden last year with the vaccine, we can only guess It would be probably years before we'd have gotten the vaccine, but we already have it. I wanna say something here about a fact check.
2: I gotta interrupt you. Joe said that there was no vaccine before he got into office, even though he took the vaccine before he got into office.
1: That's right. (laughs) Well, speaking of fact check, Kamala Harris got into this game about lying, speaking of Pinocchios. She said that the Biden administration officials may be proud of what they accomplished, but they shouldn't suggest that nothing was in place when they walked in the door. They have built on an existing structure left behind by the Trump team. Harris modified her comments by saying, in many ways, but that's not quite enough to avoid Pinocchios. So Harris, the vice president of the United States, said they had to start from scratch when it came to the vaccination plan. That is just straight up false.
2: It's straight up false, it's straight up ridiculous because if that's the case, they started on January 20th and here it is by February the, the 18th, they had it done. That's less than a month. They came, came up with a vaccine plan. So once again, come out alive, that's what she does. She
1: lies all the
2: time. She doesn't have Pinocchios. She is Pinocchio. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for your clever nickname for her. Next show.
2: All right, but- you
1: come back with that. All right, last thing for you. Okay, we've been looking at the schism between the McConnell wing and the Trump wing, and the facts are in. The poll data is in. This is from Politico Morning Consult. This is among the Republican voters, i.e., those who have. Dictated GOP politics in the past five years Trump is way more popular than McConnell Trump has favorabilities of 81% Compared to McConnell's 34% McConnell 53% unfavorable Trump 18% unfavorable So McConnell's starting a war here And Trump saying I'm going to finish this war But let me ask you this though, Pastor Because at the end of the day Should there even be a war within the GOP? Shouldn't there just be unity here If you want to defeat Republic- or a Democrat
2: well, it might take a war to bring that unity. You know, when Mitch McConnell stood up and b- bashed Donald Trump at the end of this sham impeachment hearing, he might as well have been giving his resignation speech. And there's always been a faction in the Republican Party that's been against the president, uh, Donald Trump, either in public or in private. Can you imagine if Joe Biden, Joe Biden's coming in, he has the Senate, he has Congress, he has the presidency, the Democratic Party would protect him and not allow him to have to go through those sham, bogus, collusion and Mueller investigations and all of that stuff that the Republican Party uh, abandoned Donald Trump or subjected him to. There's not a never-Biden faction in the Democratic Party. There's a never-Trump faction in the Republican Party. That faction has to go. Get Mitch out of here. Mitch, his cronies, his cohorts, his his, 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 uh, his buddies, his pals, his crew, his homies, they all have to go. And we have a little time to get them out of the way, bring in some fresh uh, blood so we can reinvigorate this party. And move forward and take back the house take back the senate and ultimately take back the presidency mitch gotta go he's done you can stick a fork in him he's toast
1: that is very interesting that you said there is there is not a never biden faction and i should add to that there the never trump faction within the republican party reportedly covered the sexual harassment uh, of young boys that's what the never trumpers were all about which is tragic for these young men and these boys these these teenage boys who were the victims of these never trumpers um just i don't know how they get off uh, on their moralizing in this way all right pastor come back i want to hear more of these nicknames
2: okay i'll have a slew of them for you call me anytime carrie you know i love you
1: all right love you too Safe travels. And the pastor is about to take his grandson over to play basketball. He's a a rising star. And uh, so we'll have to bring him back soon. All right. Coming up next, we have the senior member of the National Taxpayer Union. We are going to say what's happening with this Joe Biden stimulus plan. He's going to break it down for us and see what's all the fat and the pork in this plan. Stay tuned.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs, a gripping murder mystery
1: Good morning and welcome back here to Justin News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. Well, what is in this $1.9 trillion stimulus plan that President Biden keeps pushing? Here to break it down for us is the executive vice president at the National Taxpayers Union, Mr. Brandon Arnold. Good morning. Good morning, Kerry. So, Brandon, your organization, the National Taxpayer Union, you stand up for taxpayers. You guys did an analysis. We'll put the headline up on screen. You call it the wrong path to COVID relief for struggling families. You say that this COVID relief legislation, which may top $2 trillion after progressives and more moderate Democrats are finished negotiating this bill, you say that sadly, it's one of the worst, most regressive policies lawmakers could include in a relief bill. And it's being championed by Chuck Schumer, and it will repeal the $10,000 limit on the state and local tax deduction. Talk to us, this word regressive, it's a fancy word. Tell us exactly what that means and why that's a problem.
3: Well, the word regressive we're using specifically in the context of the state and local tax deduction that Democrats are trying to repeal. What that does is basically allow states like California, New York to tax the heck out of their citizens and to push that cost over onto the federal government by making those taxes that they pay to Sacramento or Albany, uh, making those fully deductible. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act back in 2017 wisely put a cap of $10,000, which basically takes care of almost everyone except for the extremely wealthy. It put that cap into place in order to improve tax policy and to make sure that the the lawmakers, again, in Sacramento and Albany, uh, in Illinois and other high tax states weren't just running amok and taxing the heck out of their citizens. So it's good policy, but of course, with a speaker from California, with a Senate Majority Leader from New York, we're looking at a, 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 a plan from Democrats, of course, to get rid of that cap so that they can, um, they can continue to raise taxes and spend money willy-nilly in their states.
1: So basically, this is allowing people who have big properties, jumbo-sized properties, basically very rich people who want to get a tax write-off this bill would allow them to get a bigger tax write-off and it would help people who are more wealthy. I would imagine this would help and it's being pushed by lobbyists, special interests. Am I right?
3: Well, sure. It's it's the, the fat cats on, on Wall Street. It's the, it's the wealthy Silicon Valley millionaires and billionaires that are going to stand to benefit from this at the cost, of course, of, of huge deficits, of huge debt. This is complete role reversal. It's Democrats saying, let's give tax cuts to our our wealthy supporters and pretending like it's good for the economy. But here's the frustrating thing. We're in a pandemic. We're in a difficult economic period. We ought to be focusing on things that are gonna get us back to the economic success we had in 2019, to get us back to the way of life that we were accustomed to prior to this pandemic, opening schools, opening businesses, and so forth. We shouldn't be talking about tax cuts for the wealthiest people in the wealthiest states. That's just completely misplaced priorities on the part of congressional Democrats.
1: You're right. I just don't understand what this has to do with COVID relief. It really sounds like a pet project that they've been pushing for years ever since President Trump passed the tax reform and got that through Congress. Let's talk about another plan because this plan isn't big enough for the Democrats. Joe Biden is now reportedly, according to the Washington Post, coming up with another plan in addition after they get this one shoved through, a $3 trillion plan. This would be in addition to the $1.9 trillion, possibly $2 trillion for the quote-unquote COVID relief, this would be an infrastructure package. And they're calling it, the Democrats are calling it the foundation of Biden's Build Back Better program. And they say that this is something that they want to push forward. Look, under President Trump, he wanted the same thing. He wanted an infrastructure plan. He never got it through. Why didn't he get it through? Was it because there wasn't enough bipartisan support? Also, about this plan specifically, is the timing right?
3: Well, I don't think so. We have uh, national debt now approaching $27 trillion. Uh, Obviously, we need to take care of the the pandemic. We need to make sure that that families have the resources they need, that small businesses are, are still able to stay afloat. So additional resources have been spent and will continue to be spent more so than we would normally be supportive of as an organization that is fiscally conservative. But here's the deal. We have a trillion dollars that's still unspent from past packages. We're about to implement, in all likelihood, another $1.9 trillion spending plan. I don't think now is the time to add another $2 trillion, $4 trillion, whatever the Biden administration is talking about, especially because I don't think we're going to get the bang for the buck that they're expecting. This is taking the old Obama playbook And bringing that right back to the forefront. It's what they did back in 2009 when the economy was struggling. Obama had first came into office. He put together a nearly $1 trillion spending plan in order to get the economy back to where it was uh, prior to his administration. But guess what? It didn't really work that well. We spent over $4 million per job because it was top-down Washington approach to, to economic recovery. Contrast that with something like the uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act back in 2017. What that did was lower the cost of doing business in this country, lower the cost of investing in this country, of expanding factories, of growing our uh, our businesses and operations here. And we saw economic growth. We saw one of the best economies we've had in decades and generations. That's the right approach that we should be uh, following here as we try to get this economy back to where it was again back in 2019 and in hmm. recent years. So,
1: Brandon, uh, that number that you said that 1 trillion dollars has already not been spent it's already been approved it was approved by the republicans and the democrats and signed into law by president trump what is that 1 trillion dollars and why would we put another 1.9 trillion on top of it break it down what what is that 1 trillion that's already been approved
3: yeah the biggest chunk of that is additional resources for the paycheck protection uh, program, and those are funds that go to small businesses that are having trouble meeting their their payroll obligations, paying their employees, or, or keeping the lights on, paying their utility bills, things like that. These are important small business uh, important small business funding that has been approved on a bipartisan basis. So, but how it takes much a of the one trillion is
1: our. for the small businesses?
3: A good chunk of it, not all of it, is for the small businesses, the and that takes a while to get out the door.
1: Mm-hmm. The majority oh. you're talking.
3: Uh, yes, I think I believe it is the majority of the trillion dollars. There are some other funds that just take a while to move out uh, from from Washington D.C. to get that deployed out into the field. Most of the the easy items, like uh, like the the checks that went out, the six hundred dollar checks, that goes out the door very quickly. There is some lag as they as as they run into administrative problems with with wrong addresses and so forth on occasion, but money is still coming out. From Washington flowing out to the states. The problem that Democrats have with that is that it's not flowing to the exact folks that they want it to. Specifically, it's not going to um, state and local governments. So that's why a good chunk of the $1.9 trillion is a $350, $350 billion, I should say, state and local government bailout at a time when we're actually seeing state revenues much better than what we anticipated last year states like California, like Minnesota, like Connecticut. Some of these states have budget surpluses and yet we're going to spend tens of billions of dollars to bail them out. It just so, doesn't So uh, what make- I'm
1: hearing basically is that we have almost a trillion dollars for small businesses that hasn't been giving out and yet we are going to pass 1.9 trillion a big chunk of which will go to line the pockets of big big mortgage-owning, big house, millionaires and billionaires. Uh, Wow. All right. Thanks for bringing that to light for us, Brandon. We appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be right back with more about the passing of the radio icon. You know him. You love him. Uh, We're all sad for his passing. We'll have more about the passing of Rush Limbaugh. We're also going to get to our viewer feedback. Hit me up on Twitter at Carrie Sheffield. I love to have this conversation going. We'll see you right after this break. Welcome back here to Just the News AM. I'm Carrie Sheffield, and glad that you're with us. Well, I love to get viewer feedback, and I only pick the best ones. My producer, Dan, helps me pick them out. Only the best ones. If you're smart, you got something to say, I will put it up here on the screen. I put a question out every day on Twitter at Carrie Sheffield. Here's what you guys said about yesterday. So today is Ash Wednesday, I said on Twitter, and I said, what are you giving up? And we had a congressman on to tell us what he gave up. He said he's given up Facebook and social media. Probably better for all of us if we do that more these days. Uh, Inez Bradley says, she says, I'm giving up my mask, LOL. Seriously, I'm giving up sweets. I think a lot of people might, uh, the impulse of Inez uh, is shared among a lot of people. We're just waiting for the day when we can give it up. Walter says, not my guns. We know what he's not giving up and he's not giving this up for lent mark mark 24196744 says instead of giving up sweets maybe we should speech and hateful thoughts in our hearts and speaking of abstaining from hateful speech and hateful hearts uh some liberal responses to the passing of the radio icon loved him and his sad tragic death his passing at age 70 rush limbaugh uh, we've been covering his passing here i want to just do a tribute and walk through uh, some things about him he became a not synonymous with talk radio during his career and he transformed the media in the process he used to joke that he had talent on loan from god Um, and he was the most prominent voice in conservative radio for 30-plus years. You can see him there standing as he received the Medal of Honor. This was right after he had announced his bout with cancer. Uh, Former President Trump honored him there, uh, a well-deserved honor, a well-deserved medal uh, for being a voice for freedom. And just over and over his common sense wisdom, he really channeled the common sense of what made America great One of his quotes, for example, he would say, what's the difference between a liberal and a conservative? A liberal will interpret the Constitution and a conservative will quote it. So it's all about making sure that we know what's in the Constitution as opposed to trying to project and put your own thoughts and feelings onto it. Rush Limbaugh was all about what did the founding fathers actually mean for freedom here in this country? Well, as predicted, the left... In some ways, rejoiced on Twitter, uh, just a a cesspool of comments of uh, people rejoicing in his death, um, hashtags that I don't even want to repeat on the air, uh, celebrating the death. And a a friend put it, I think, really wisely. He said, the way you react to someone's death says a lot more about you than it does about them. Now, I'm not saying I agreed with everything that Rush Limbaugh said. I don't think Rush Limbaugh would agree with everything Rush Limbaugh said. In fact, he walked back some things that he said. Uh, I'm sure his viewers, no one agreed with him 100%. We all change our minds. We all say things that we want to take back. Uh, Yet, at the end of the day, this was a man who spoke for millions of people. uh, And yet the left, again, predictably chose to be condescending. I'll put a headline up here from Politico, for example. This is from John Harris, the founder of Politico, Um, and I have to say he used to be my boss. I used to work at Politico, but since I've left Politico, I've really seen how left this institution has become. But he says, let's briefly praise Rush Limbaugh, then bury him forever. And in his column, he says that for 25 of the past 30 years, no public figure more fully represented the aggrieved soul of the American right than Rush Limbaugh. And he said, and he went on uh, to really just be condescending in, in this article, um, he called him uh, a very simple-minded man and uh, someone who was just uh, a really angry and aggressive person, didn't really seem to understand the humor uh, that rush limbaugh brought to the table and also the intellect uh, in fact i want to point out a study by the pew research center the pew research center if you know them they are not a right-wing organization they're not super left-wing either i would say they're probably moderately left but they did a study and they found that people who are called ditto heads uh, if you know if you're a ditto head uh, you know that you are one this is someone who uh rush limbaugh his followers will call them ditto heads because they were all just saying Ditto. You speak for me. I agree with you. Ditto. And so ditto heads, on average, according to the study, were better informed than people who listened to NPR, National Public Radio, the bastion of liberal latte drinker elitists. Um, The ditto heads were more educated than NPR listeners. This is according to Pew Research Center. Pew also found that ditto heads were actually than public radio or C-SPAN audiences to have a college degree. So how about the irony here where you have Politico calling Rush Lomba a simple-minded man and uh, you also had the Washington Post uh, saying this. They said, the Washington Post said that he was leading the Republican Party into a politics of anger and obstruction, that he was a best-selling author of incendiary political books. So the Washington Post, Politico, lots of other media outlets going after Rush Limbaugh. Uh, And I just compared and contrast what the Washington Post said about Rush Limbaugh compared to what they said about the leader of ISIS when he was killed, al-Baghdadi. You know, you remember what the Washington Post said. They called this al-Baghdadi guy a, quote, austere religious scholar. He was an austere religious scholar with wire-framed glasses and no known aptitude for fighting and killing That was all Baghdadi. You know what? That is uh, the difference between worldview when you can't call a murderous, terrorist al-Baghdadi what exactly he was and you go after a conservative icon like Rush Limbaugh I mean this this is why we have a divide in this country Uh, but uh, as we've reported here at just the news the celebrity left rejoiced in Rush Limbaugh's death we have a piece about this from my colleague Christian Toto which I recommend that you take a look at this Um, and he goes through in this piece and just uh, outlines how the celebrity left is uh, rejoicing in this I recommend that you take a look at that All right, we're going to come back with more. Stay tuned. We'll be right
4: back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
1: you can see is the teaser for CPAC coming up next week. Usually it's here in the Washington, D.C. area, but it's going to be in Florida because of the coronavirus, and we're going to hear all about what we can expect. Matt and Mercedes Schlapp, the dynamic duo, the power <laughs> couple of the conservative movement, join me here this morning. He's the chairman of the American Conservative Union, and she is a senior advisor. Good morning to you both.
5: Take good- hey, Carrie. Great to good be, good be with morning. you.
1: Good morning. So, all right, walk us through. What can we expect? It's going to look a lot different this year.
5: You want me to take this one? Go for it.
1: You're first. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be different.
5: (laughs) We didn't know what to expect. You know, Governor Hogan canceled us here uh, in the state of Maryland, uh, which is where we normally have it. And uh, we decided that I decided that I wouldn't be the first chairman in 50 years not to have CPAC. We've been through everything as a country, and we still had CPAC. So we decided we would go to a state that was open for business and Governor Ron DeSantis who's quickly becoming America's governor, welcomed us with open arms. I think you will see a, a you know cavalcade of the senators, congressmen governors, uh, media personalities, uh, writers, journalists, you name it that you normally see at CPAC and I think it's an important moment for the conservative movement to come together. you know um, we've been through some pretty traumatic moments.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, the American people were just exhausted. Um, what about Virginia? I, I'm in Virginia. I had my birthday party at a hotel, and we had a good gathering. Why Florida? Well, first of all, happy birthday! I know your birthday Thank was this sweet, Carrie. Thank you. So, um,
0: had a great celebration. You know, I, obviously, it's it's making sure that there's the social distancing requirements, following uh, the guidelines that the local right. and state officials. Um, are making sure that we follow in Orlando. And so there was a little more flexibility there. Obviously, the safety of the participants, is it's a top priority for us. But at the same time, it's important for all conservatives to be able to come together, especially during this difficult moment where we've seen what happened with the election. Obviously, the great loss of Rush Limbaugh, someone who spoke following the win of President Obama, Uh, where he gave the conservative State of the Union. And uh, and really, it's a moment in time for us to realize what is the direction? What are we looking to accomplish in the next uh, four years as we deal with a far-left Democrat party, as we deal with big tech trying to cancel us? And it's why our theme for the CPAC is America Uncanceled. It's ensuring that we protect Uh, the freedom of speech, ensuring that we protect and defend our liberties, something that we're all called to do. And this forum allows us uh, to speak freely, to exchange ideas and to come up with uh, the direction that we need as we set forward to fight the social. Yeah, yeah, no, I love
5: that, America
1: uncancelled, I love it. Karen, let
5: me answer your question on Virginia though. We both live in the Commonwealth of Virginia and I say, screw Virginia. Their government has been terrible in, in this whole idea that we have to be in lockdown. And we really thought states like Tennessee uh, and Georgia and Texas and Florida were the types of states that we ought to reward with CPAC. Georgia then really stumbled on the elections, and the governor really stumbled on making sure we couldn't get illegal votes out of the count. So that narrowed down the choices, and I think we've made the right choice in Florida. But we'll find out no. next week. Sweetie, the reality is,
0: the reality is, just real quick like
1: it's my home state
0: That's so right. i ah, fair enough. Enough. there's definitely a bias there with Florida
1: N- nepotism <laughs> wins at the end of the day all right let exactly. me ask you guys this you said the direction of the conservative movement there was a poll by Politico Morning Consult looking at the schism between McConnell and Trump, and they found the favorabilities among Trump vote, er, Republican voters. Trump has an 81% favorability compared to McConnell's only 34%, and McConnell's got 53% unfavorable. Trump only has 18%. What's the direction of this schism? Do you think the schism is something that can be overcome, or what's the direction of the conservative movement?
5: You know, I would, I'll go fast first. I think um, this schism, as you properly describe it, has been uh, there from the very first moment Trump came down the escalator. Uh, uh, establishment Republicans really feared Trump that he would expose the fact that we say things that we have really no intention of putting into law and executing. And Trump really kind of showed the swamp for what it is. So most establishment Republicans uh dc republicans new york city republicans always didn't like trump but they went along with it because he was succeeding so extravagantly then he was pushed off the stage and then they went right back to their approach previously i think it's a big mistake mm-hmm.
0: yeah, just two seconds look at the end of the day you need the coalition you need the republicans as well as you need the new coalition that
1: trump right. has been able to build. all right if we don't we come gotta come leave together, it right there i will not win all an right. election thanks so much guys Hey there welcome back to just the news am i'm carrie sheffield i want to close the show with letting you know that today is national drink wine day if you didn't know moderate drinkers of wine have lower risks of liver disease type 2 diabetes certain kinds of cancers heart attack and stroke it can also reduce the bad cholesterol the ldl cholesterol and increase the good cholesterol the hdl so uh, I didn't go Hoda Katab here on set and bring my own wine, but we have a lot of folks who are suffering and cold across the Midwest, including I have family in Dallas. Uh, my sister-in-law loves to drink her wine. Uh, I hope that she's able to imbibe today, uh, warm up a little bit. Uh, and for, the, for those of you who don't drink, and, or maybe you're giving up uh, alcohol for, for Lent, um, you could go for some grape juice or maybe you could just be around people who are drinking wine and bask in their glow and get some of the warmth there but uh regardless the wine uh if if you read the bible you know that the first miracle of jesus was that he turned water into wine Uh, is wine proof that god loves us you tell me we know what benjamin franklin said about beer he said that beer is proof that god exists and he loves us, uh, and he wants us to be happy. Maybe we can say the same same thing about wine. What do you think? Let me know. All right, that does it for me here. We'll see you tomorrow. And again, we want to fade out with a a memory here uh, and giving a moment of silence for Rush Limbaugh.